Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, everybody. This is Tom Salemi. Thanks for listening to the OIS Podcast. We're still coming down last week's OIS at AAO. Had over 1,100 people in the ballroom at the Marriott Marquis in Chicago. So it was a, uh, a stellar day. Thank you to everyone who attended. Thank you, of course, to our many great sponsors. And thanks to our uh, illustrious co-chairs, Emmett Cunningham, Bill Link, and Gil Kleiman for putting together a great program. And of, all, of course, thank you to all the speakers who um, really did a great job with the breakfast breakout sessions and the discussions during the day. And of course, uh, our presenting companies will have content from the day coming to you very soon, including the uh, the company presentations. We'll also have some additional content recorded outside of the ballroom, uh, some companies to watch, as well as uh, some interviews, some OAS leader interviews I did uh, in the back room. So it was uh, a wonderful day. Met a lot of uh, very interesting people and look forward to bringing you some great content. The great content starts today, though. We're going to uh, meet with Todd Brady and Dave McMullen of Aldera. They uh, had some recent clinical trial news, some great news for their dry eye products. So we'll get into that and we'll talk a little bit about uh, where the company is headed. So before I let you go, uh, please do uh, keep your eyes peeled. We'll be uh, sharing uh, Emmett Cunningham's uh, report, State of the Industry Report. We'll uh, make that available. He presented it at OISAO, but we'll uh, be doing some updates and we'll make sure that's available to you. So now let's hear from Todd Brady and Dave McMullen of Aldera. All right, well, Todd Brady and Dave McMullen of Aldera, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be here, Tom. Good to be here. So this is uh, unusual for us to have two people on, but uh, there's lots going on over there. So we want to make sure we, we cover it all. Uh, first, let's tackle the most recent bit of news. You folks had some uh, very positive results, uh, phase 2B clinical trial results for treatment of eye disease, a topical ocular reproxal app for, uh, for patients with uh, dry eye disease. So let's talk a little bit about uh, that trial and uh, what were the results. It's always nice to report... Uh, stellar clinical results. We um, were fortunate that our latest phase 2B clinical trial in dry eye disease read out in an extremely positive way, and we think in ways that suggest that uh, Reproxilap could command the leading position in the treatment of dry eye disease uh, one day, particularly given how fast the drug worked and how broadly uh, the drug worked. As, as you know, Tom, there's a lot of unmet need in this space. Uh, the two therapeutics that are approved for dry eye disease today um, are not um, highly appreciated by patients or physicians, and uh, we're thrilled to be um, a potential new entrant in the space. And with these kinds of clinical data, we think it bodes well for um, for both groups of uh, patients and physicians. So was this the trial that began enrolling uh, earlier this year? Have you uh, wrapped it up in just nine months? That's right. I think that speaks to the need and the space. You know, the, um, the, the rapidity of enrollment, the speed of enrollment, I think always portends the market. And um, if that holds true here, um, uh, Aldera and other companies working on dry disease 
are in a good position. Give us some uh, particulars about the trial. How many patients were involved? Let me turn it over to um, to Dave uh, McMullen to uh, to go through this. Dave is uh, no stranger to the uh, dry eye space, having come to us recently from Shire. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, the trial had 100 patients per arm, and it was a 12-week trial where we were looking at the, a panel of signs and symptoms uh, for dry eye disease. We wanted to confirm the results that we had seen in phase 2A in dry eye disease, where Reproxlab showed an early onset and really a breadth of activity. And we also needed to identify what primary endpoints we would be using to move forward into a phase 3 program. So we were, we were successful on all those marks. The compound Reproxlab in our phase 2B trial really did show an, an early onset as early as two weeks, which was the first time point we measured it showed, once again, a very broad activity. All uh, the signs and the symptoms that we measured moved in the right direction, and we were able to identify our uh, proposed primary endpoints. Our next steps are to go talk to the FDA and then initiate our Phase three program in 2019. So how many, this was a Phase two b how many trials have, uh, have preceded this? So in dry eye disease, we did a Phase two a which preceded this. In Reproxlab, the molecule Reproxlabs also were studying it in other areas of ocular inflammation. So we have had uh, phase two trials in allergic conjunctivitis and phase two trials in non-infectious anterior uveitis. In total across all of those, this represents the fifth ocular uh, phase two program to complete successfully. Wow. So what were some of the, uh, the results of the trial that really stood out for you that you think will speak to, uh, to future success or at least hopefully speak to future success? Yeah, I think the results that really stood out uh, for us and for me, you, you know, in looking at uh, this uh, compound was really the rapid onset of action. So, you know, we were able to identify a path to approvability, and that's important. But we also wanted to look at the data that came out and ask ourselves the question, what kind of profile is being shown here? What, what do we think the real world experience will be like? And so we did, and we pre-specified and did responder analyses to get a sense of that. And we really saw a very strong response on symptoms as well as signs uh, at that first measure as early as two weeks. And the reason that's important is because patients today often are coached by their uh, physicians that they're, they're going to need to wait and sort of stick out a number of uh, weeks of treatment and even months of treatment before they might find out if the drug works. We saw at that two-week time point, people really responding. Um, and it was really a response that held up any way that we uh, cut the data. So when we were looking at a particular symptom, we saw a tremendous improvement within 12 weeks. So over half of the patients responding uh, statistically significant over vehicle in that two-week time frame. Uh, when we looked at the sign, we saw the same thing. And then what's really cool, Tom, is we did an analysis where we looked at the conjoint of both those. So patients who respond to both a sign and a symptom in the same patient. And we saw the same uh, pattern of, of activity. So that's really exciting for us. We know patients will appreciate it. We know doctors will appreciate it. And uh, that, that gives us a lot of encouragement uh, regarding the clinical profile potential for this product. I think that the presentation... Tom, of the data was quite unique. I have never seen uh, in any published report or any corporate report data presented as expansively as this. I've not seen 
um, responder analyses that are conjoint, as David describes with a sign and a symptom. I've not seen responder analyses looking at uh, dryness scores of zero, which is a putative cure. Uh, all these are unique uh, in favor of Reproxlap, and I, I think suggest not only the potency of the drug, but as Dave is saying, the, the commercial potential. Now, this may be a, a dumb question, but with the, with the uh, results announced, are the patients in the trial, are they still taking the drug or, or is uh, the dosage, dosage stopped? Yeah, no, it, it's a great question. And the trial has concluded. So the patients are no longer um, taking the, the, the product. So do you, will, will testing for, for duration of the drug, will that be next? Would that be the phase three to see if those results, do, do you need to, to test for duration or, or is the idea that these will be? taken as a as a as a treatment for a chronic disease and and make sure there was and, and will you need to ensure that the results uh, uh that you've got in this in this trial are long lasting yeah yeah you're right i mean it's a it was a 12-week phase two trial we envision that our phase three trials will also be 12 week that gives you a time frame and that's in line with what has been done by others uh previous to us so that gives you a time frame in order to generate the data that you need for it to be evaluated as a chronic uh, treatment. The measures happen along, you know, at different visits across the course of that 12 weeks. So with a 12-week trial period, we're able to assess the the chronic use of the product, uh, but also the acute response, you know, as quickly as two weeks to see the patients getting better. And the latter is really most interesting to us because... uh, Current standard of care, Restasis, Hydra, these are drugs that take weeks or months to figure out if they're going to work. Um, with it, with the two-week activity that we saw in this phase 2B trial and that we will examine again and potentially one-week activity in phase 3, I think this is a major market differentiator that could position Reproxilap uh, first line if the data pan out as they have in phase 2. Did you collect any sort of uh, feedback from investigators? Uh, any any comments about the uh, the drug and its performance? Well, during the trial itself, I mean, we collected the 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 information that was defined in the in the protocol. You know, after the trial, while we were was concluded, and while we were analyzing the data, we um, interacted with several KOLs who were acting as advisors to us, and we shared with them the data. So we, we got kind of, and there you had, um, you know, different perspectives, clinical perspectives, um, or academic type of perspectives. And we, we got that type of verbatim feedback as well. And across the board, I think what really sticks out for people is the broadness of the activity. So this is a drug whose profile is exhibiting across symptoms improvements, but also across the different types of signs. So on the, on the, Symptoms, you have severity signs and you also have frequency signs. This drug was showing to improve both, uh, which is itself notable. But then on the signs, you have uh, signs like staining, which are designed to measure damage to the ocular surface. And you have signs that um, measure the health of the tears and the quantity of the tears. And across all of those, um, things were improving. And that was something that got played back to us. Uh, time and again as really a, a very interesting and uh, re- quite remarkable aspect of this uh, drug profile. Excellent. And you talked a bit about this earlier, about the, the phase three. Please go over again. What's uh, what's your anticipated interaction with the FDA and, and what's the timeline for 
starting and, and possibly concluding the trial? Could it be? Could it go as quickly as this one did? It would be. Uh, it would. It would definitely be a uh, quick trial. But of course, we have to go and have the conversation with the FDA and, and talk through with them our plans for the phase three program. The timing on that. I mean, we put in a request. Uh, we would anticipate that we would meet with them sometime, um, probably early uh, next year. Um, but it really depends on how quickly they get back to us. And then we talk through with them what our plan is for phase three. And subsequent to that, we'd be able to initiate uh, the trial. So we expect to be able to initiate the trial in 2019. And if everything goes well, we would also initiate our, our second phase three in 2019. There's going to be two phase threes required for approval. And that would put us in a position where we would have a readout on both those trials in, the, in 2020, the following calendar year. Hey, everyone, Tom here. We'll take a quick break from this podcast. Uh, at the very top, I thanked our sponsors. I'd like to mention a few of them by name. Our lead sponsors were Airy, Alcon, Bear, Zeiss, Johnson & Johnson Vision, Santen. And our premier sponsor was Shire. So thank you to uh, those sponsors and, of course, our other sponsors, our major sponsors. Go to OIS.net to uh, find out who those sponsors are. And thank you again to everyone who supported OIS at AAO. Now let's get back into this podcast. I'd love to get into the uh, the rest of the pipeline, but before we do, Dave, uh, let's talk a bit about your decision to to, to join. Uh, you are now holding the the newly created position of senior vice president, corporate development and strategy. Tell us a bit about your uh, background and, and what led you to this new position. Yeah, thanks, uh, Tom. My background has really been built in the biopharmaceutical industry. And this is my first uh, opportunity to work with uh, a small biotech that's pre-commercial. I came to Aldera uh, from Shire. I was previously running the internal medicine business unit in the U.S. Uh, for Shire. And that is a sizable business unit that had commercial, commercial operations, sales and marketing uh, type of capabilities rolling up into it. And um, prior to that, I had been running the commercial operations for uh, Shire uh, globally. Um, before going to Shire, I had worked uh, briefly at GSK and spent a number of years at uh, Novartis in, uh, in various uh, divisions in commercial or um, uh, corporate or, or operational type of roles. So I have primarily a commercial background. Um, but, you know, along that uh, journey, I've got the most out of my career when I've had a chance to build or, or um, implement a change of some sort, either a new direction or build up a, a new organization. And I started getting involved with uh, startup biotechs here in Boston in 2015. And then earlier this year, I met uh, Todd and started to learn about the Aldera story. And what really struck me was the potential uh, that the company has. We are working on a new mechanism of action that's really broadly applicable to inflammation and is complementary to current and existing mechanisms of action uh, that, that are utilized. And, you know, I really, as I looked at it uh, more closely, I felt like the company was at this cusp of like a, a really uh, value inflection uh, where the, da the data was being built up in support of this new mechanism of action and it was getting large enough that it was clear that the drug, uh, the lead compound was working. 
and and working well across these different indications. And the company was on the cusp of needing to transition from a clinical-oriented organization into a pre-commercial one and then a commercial one. And uh, Todd and I um, really hit it off. And I was delighted when he uh, talked to me about joining the company and helping to build it out. Uh, this has been a fantastic experience uh, thus far, and I expect it to continue in that fashion. And, you know, we're really in it, Tom, to bring this product to the market and make it available so that patients can benefit, so that physicians can benefit, and so that we can continue to build out the potential of these RASP inhibitors from our pipeline. Excellent. So this is your first uh, foray into uh, ophthalmology? You were at Shire, but you didn't work with Zydra. You worked in, in another part of the company. So I was I was running the internal medicine business unit. You know, I was part of the U.S. management team at the time that um, Shire stood up and launched uh, Zydra and really created their ophthalmology uh, business unit. So when I was running commercial operations, my team was helping to, um, in, in a supportive fashion, to build out that ophthalmology business unit uh, within within Shire. And how do you view uh, LDR? Do you um, see it? I mean, from our from my perspective, obviously, this is an ophthalmology podcast. We, we'd like to talk about the ophthalmology part of the of the pipeline. But coming in, did you see this as an ophthalmology company with other products, or do you view it differently than that? Now, that's a great question. I mean, I really view Aldera um, based on the merits of the science. And the science does have applicability in ophthalmology, you know, as we're as we're demonstrating now. Uh, but the science has applicability that goes uh, beyond that. So I would say it's uh, it's obviously the lead the lead compounder Proxlab is in ophthalmology, and we have um, a pipeline initiative to study uh, RASP inhibition in retinal disease. Uh, we but it's not the only thing we do. So this the RASP inhibition is one of the mechanisms of action we have in development. And uh, we believe that it's applicable beyond the eye, and uh, we have plans in place to demonstrate that. And it is not to say that, I mean, the eye is extremely important and it's extremely, um, you know, valuable from our perspective. It's an organ that we um, have easy access to, so you're able to bathe it in in the drug and study the drug's effect uh, quite uh, quickly and readily. Um, We're not just going to stop there, however, you know, we are going to uh, test uh, RASP inhibition systemically as well. And even one of our lead uh, candidates is, is in development. Our lead candidate is also in development for an indication that's non-ocular. It's a rare disease called Sjogren-Larsen syndrome. That's also in uh, phase three. But the reason we're doing that is because this is, there are patients out there who, you know, suffer from these conditions and we have science that can benefit them. Uh, and uh, we we have uh, both, you know, a I would say an obligation uh, to to bring new products to patients who otherwise, you know, are suffering. Um, but also, you know, from a business perspective, it's uh, it's, of course, uh, attractive to evaluate and uh, and to uh, pursue all, all the opportunities that you're that you have where your science will make a difference. Let's talk a bit about uh, the pipeline. I mean, looking at your, your website, you've got uh, your next expected milestone for, for three-year programs. I'll have actually well, four of them, including the uh, Sigourney-Larsen syndrome, uh, but uh, they're all, they all got phase three in, in the description. So let's just focus on the uh, ophthalmology stuff. So we talked about dry eye and where, where you're at with that. 
where were you with your conjunctivitis program? Right. We've, we've got an exciting 2019, as you can see. Uh, you know, the next, the next readout is, is as you mentioned, uh, Tom, the phase three uh, clinical trial in allergic conjunctivitis, um, likely to be end of this year, uh, you know, first part of next year. Uh, behind that is a phase three clinical trial in non-infectious anterior uveitis that Dave mentioned, uh, and then Sjogren-Larsen syndrome, which is the dermatologic uh, orphan disease that Dave described as well. So not not too often that a small company announces uh, three phase threes with a span of a year, but uh, we're in that position. And I think behind that, uh, there's more to come with dry eyes. We initiate two phase threes in dry eye in 2019, so we'll... Um, We'll be busy. So are these all the same? We talked a bit in the in the previous podcast about the aldehyde trap technology. Are they all are they all stem from that from that platform or do they come do they have different origins? Repraxolap is our lead RASP scavenger. We we call um the aldehyde technology RASP, the reactive aldehyde species. Um it's a unique approach. It's a novel mechanism. Repraxolap is a novel chemical entity. We have, as Dave mentioned, Analogs of Reproxilap, sons and daughters of Reproxilap behind the lead, and uh, those will move into systemic uh, inflammation where RASP are uh, no doubt involved as well. So the uh, genesis of the company was around RASP. We've recently licensed um, uh, at least one other mechanism of action that's being tested in immune disease systemically and cancer, and will continue to grow, I think, in that direction. As Dave mentioned, I, I don't consider ourselves an eye company exclusively. We are starting in the eye. We're moving elsewhere in the body, which um, is not typically done. I think most uh, drugs start systemically and move to the eye. We're, we're proud to start in the eye and, and move um, systemically. And I think as you uh, watch our company grow over the next year or two, you'll see uh, more growth in that direction as we move broadly uh, throughout the body. Fantastic. And, and final, uh, final topic. Uh, the good news uh, enabled you to uh, to raise some funds. Talk a little bit about your uh, recent public offering of stock. Right. We're thrilled to, to uh, capitalize on the equity markets. I think the the uh, the good news is we are well funded through everything that we've discussed today. All the phase three programs, including the two uh, dry eye um, uh, phase threes, as a company. We're really in a superb financial condition to uh, move forward. And as Dave mentioned, we're, we're intent on commercializing uh, Reproxilap and the other drugs we have in our, our pipeline. We believe that um, ophthalmology is a commercially feasible market, um, as is Sjogren-Larsen syndrome, as there are some of the other conditions we're working on. And our goal as a company is to be a commercially viable entity. And I think the good news is the clinical data support that and our recent financing uh, enables us to move in that direction in a very um, a powerful way. How long do you anticipate that this capital uh, will last you? When would you possibly need to raise money again? We haven't guided on that specifically. I think you'll hear more from us uh, next month, but I think it's safe to assume that uh, our previous runway guidance, which was into uh, 2019, is um, extended significantly, so 2020 wouldn't be end of 2020 wouldn't be a bad estimate. Excellent. And uh, this will be the final question, and it kind of goes back to your pipeline. We talked about your late stage ophthalmology products. Do you have things in the early stages that uh, 
that aren't appearing on the website yet? Or, or do you have a, a plan to uh, keep feeding the pipeline? We do. I, we consider uh, pipeline growth an integral part of our corporate strategy. Um, my belief is that great companies are built and um, we're building a great company, not only as we move towards the market, but also as we continue to expand um, the pipeline. Uh, we have on our pipeline at least three different mechanisms of action. Uh, we intend to add more uh, as, we, uh, as we grow larger. So I think you'll hear more from us um, in that regard, I hope, in the very near future. Terrific. I hope so as well. Well, I appreciate you both taking uh, some time today and giving us an update and best of luck going forward. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Take care. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on today's OIS podcast. I hope you were there last week at OIS at AAO. If you weren't, again, look for uh, the content that will be coming out. We'll have company presentations. We'll have some great interviews, some companies to watch. And uh, we already have some interviews from the OISX Gala, which we held the night before to uh, commemorate the 10th OIS at AAO. It was a, a great party with over 500 people there. I did some red carpet interviews. You can uh, find them on our uh, Twitter feed at OIS Tweets. I've also been uh, putting them out through our social media channels, including LinkedIn, Facebook, and the rest. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, some uh, great thoughts there from some very deserving winners and finalists uh, for the OISX Awards. That's a wrap. Help out the podcast. If you would, please do subscribe. Please do tell your friends, and please do uh, let me know how we're doing. You can reach me at my email, tom at healthogy.com. Healthogy is the word health, followed by letters E-E-G-Y. Healthogy is the producer of this podcast and the OIS events. We've got uh, many great events coming up next year. So uh, anyway, please do shoot me an email. Find me on Twitter at MedTechTom. Let me know how we're doing and who we should talk to. That's a wrap. Tune in next week. We'll have another great tale of innovation for you on the OIS podcast. podcast.